Welcome to the official unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing at a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of 32 inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky, the Red Turf Repping Eagles Power Hour. SCS Fans Nation, we are back. Um, we just recorded an episode about three days ago, and since we have nothing else better to do but just stay at home during this quarantine, we figured we would you know, try and push out as many episodes as possible. And the good news is we have a really awesome guest today. But before we introduce him, I am your host, as always, Kyler Neal. With me, Rusty Kramer. Rusty, how are you doing today in this quarantine? Mm-hmm. I'm doing pretty good, Kyler. I caught that. I caught that in the beginning there. I'm doing pretty good, though. Wait, what'd you catch? What'd I do? Did I do something wrong? <laughs> Eagles Power Hour. <laughs> FCS Nation. Oh, shit. Well, hey, it's already a good start to this episode. All right. Yes, this is the Eagles Power Hour, not FCS Fans Nation. I do that one as well. So um, good job, Kyler. Already the first mess up of the podcast, so. We'll just keep it with this. But um, hey, with us, we have um, a guy who covers the big sky in the Missouri Valley from what I consider the best media outlet or the best media source in the FCS, Hero Sports. Sam Herter, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. I don't, I don't think I've, I've had you on Eagles Power Hour or FCS Fans Nation, so we're kicking two birds with one stone today. Yeah, there we go. I can't. I was gonna say I can't. Rem- I know we kicked around some ideas uh, for Brian and I to come on the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Um, I, I can't. I don't think we ever uh, went through with that. But I feel like we have enough interaction as it is on social media, where it's kind of hard to keep track of all the different uh, collaborations that we've done. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we we've partnered up quite a bit, and you know, I've seen you in Frisco the last couple of years. We mm-hmm. we've had dinner, and it's always been a good time. Um, but yeah, so let's just actually start diving into this episode. I know, Rusty, you have a couple things you want to talk about before we um, ask Sam some questions. So why don't you go for it, Rusty? Yeah, so for one, uh, I don't know if you all noticed, but we just got a, kind of like a remodel or like a new face with a sweet new logo. Kyler revealed the other day. It looks pretty good. I feel like I've made it now. My name's on there. It feels good. <laughs> yeah, it was just uh, me for a while, and I was like, Man, I'm I'm kind of being just a dick right now. Rusty's been helping me out, <laughs> doing a lot of work, and I'm like, this is the Eagles Power Hour with Kyler Neal only. Screw that guy. Uh, but you're official. You're hired. I will send you your first check in the mail. It's not going to be a lot. The, the official, unofficial. Sounds good. All right. Well, hey, we're going into another podcast, and that means we're going to do another local shout out. And again, just to kind of give you guys a little quick synopsis. So every podcast during this, you know, tough time, we're going to shout out different local businesses uh, that are 
still operating during this time, this strenuous time, but there's providing their services in different ways because we just want to raise awareness for those small businesses. I think it's important to support uh, the small businesses operating area. So that being said, you know, Iron Goat Brewing, they're, they offer uh, beer, they offer food for just a $4 delivery free fee right now. Iron Goat will deliver di- delicious food and beer right to your door. Freshly baked pizzas, sandwiches, soups, and salads are all available for order along with cans, bottles, and crowler fills of all your favorite Iron Goat beers. Visit their online store at irongoatbrewing.com or you could call 509 509- Four seven four zero seven two two to place your delivery order now, or you know what, you can even swing by their tap room for takeout orders, and they'll even bring it to you curbside at thirteen oh two West Second Avenue in Spokane. And just to give you an idea of you know what you're about to get yourself into, they offer a wide range of beers such as sours, stouts, juicy IPAs, pilsners, blondes, just to name a few. So. I mean, they sure they could satisfy anyone's palate with that that list right there. And right now, you could get two twenty-two ounce pizza, two twenty-two ounce beers, and a pizza for just twenty bucks. So, what exactly are you waiting for? Today, I stopped by and got my very own to-go order. Some delicious beverages. It was a hard choice. I went in there for one beer, but I ended up getting uh, their goat meal stout, uh, their blackberry apricot sour ale, and their cranberry tangerine gosa. So get out there and support a local company while enjoying some delicious drinks. Visit Iron Goat today and tell them Rusty sent you. Awesome. Yeah. How, how is the beer? I've never actually drank an Iron Goat brewing, but you posted a picture of the can and it looks sweet. Oh, I'm enjoying it. It is. It's 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 really good. And if you get a chance to stop by uh, their building, it, it's a pretty cool, sweet building. It's right downtown. It's definitely that old school vibe they have. So in the summertime, I imagine they have those like garage doors that open up right to the sidewalk. So, I mean, if, if you haven't been there, I recommend go checking it out. They got awesome beer. I've already tried all three <laughs> beers that I got. and It's delicious. Oh, so you're having a good time tonight. <laughs> uh, yes. All right. So, hey, Sam, you're in Minneapolis, right? Yep, correct. Okay. So how how you liking it? Because you were in North Dakota for a long time, and I know you moved to Minneapolis this year. Is it treating you well? Yeah, it has been. And I'm, you know, I, I grew up a Minnesotan. Uh, I grew up right on the, the border of North Dakota. So I spent my first 18 years in, in Minnesota, then went to uh, Fargo, North Dakota, North Dakota State, obviously, for college, and then worked in North Dakota for a little bit, um, and then now living in the Minneapolis area. So for the for the most part of my life, I've been a Minnesotan, but I have uh, went on to went to the other side of the border and was a North Dakotan for a handful of years throughout my life. Man, I feel like our, our podcast is going to hell. You know, we've had a vandal on last episode, and now we had a North Dakota <laughs> State alumni on this one. What the hell's going on? <laughs> but, but hey, no. Sam, we're bringing you on because you work for Hero Sports and you cover the Big Sky in Missouri Valley. Why don't you give some of our listeners who maybe don't um, follow FCS as well, maybe they're only following Eastern Washington and they haven't really um, looked up Hero Sports before, why don't you give a little breakdown on Hero Sports and the FCS that you cover and why I think Hero Sports is the best media um, outlet for the FCS? Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to kind of talk about our history. And you know, things have changed a little bit uh, with our company. We, we've since added kind of a technology side of things 
uh, called DataScribe, and that you know we we have a lot of great partnerships with the Associated Press and several several uh, college athletic departments as well. But on the editorial side of the company, which is HeroSports.com, uh, basically the website started from scratch uh, back in 2014 or 2015, and the idea was to give uh, smaller sports, smaller division sports, uh, more coverage. Uh, D2, D3, you know college soccer, college softball, and stuff like that. And they brought Brian McLaughlin on, who's uh, our other full-time FCS writer right now, uh, along with myself. But back in 2015, I believe, they brought Brian on and asked him what he would like to cover. And and Brian said, let's give FCS football a shot because it's it's kind of the, the best of both worlds. It's big-time college football, but at the same time, it's not the Alabamas of the world where you send the sports information director an interview request and they're going to go, eh, nah, there's already, you know, 25 other media outlets trying to talk to our guys. Uh, so Brian started covering the FCS full time in 2015. In the fall of 2016, I came on as just a freelancer. Uh, my full time job was in the newspaper industry. Um, so I started doing some freelance. And then during the. I think, I believe 2018 uh, was my first season. They brought me on full time. Um, and I, I believe we're the only outlet out there that has two you know, full-time workers that are dedicated to covering the FCS all year round. So um, we've, we're, we're kind of new on the block, uh, but at the same time, I think we've done a, hopefully a pretty good job of, of kind of carving out our name um, and being one of the one of the go-to sites for FCS coverage, uh, just with the stuff we do with recruiting. We do a lot of NFL draft stuff. Uh, we have a huge summer uh, preview series that we do every summer. And then obviously our, our in-season coverage as well. So um, it's been a blast to be a part of. Uh, I love the FCS. Uh, it's a great subdivision to cover. Um, and I'm glad I can do it uh, full-time uh, along with Brian. Yeah, man, I, I got to say, we really do appreciate the coverage that hero sports does. And that's why we really wanted to have you on. You know, when I went to Eastern besides the local media, I didn't know really anyone outside the big sky, you know, because all, all I know is the big sky teams that played us and we weren't going to the playoffs that regularly. When I first got there, I didn't know anything about James Madison. Um, you know, North Dakota state wasn't around at the FCS or they were just becoming an FCS member, but still playoff and eligible. But I didn't know about any, any FCS team outside of the big sky. And, you know, now I'm more involved with the FCS. So I've been learning on my own, but one of the big helps is hero sports. It's basically you guys and stats that have really helped pave the way. And I think this, especially with like the new deals on ESPN three with Pluto sports flow sports, we're starting to see more coverage of the FCS and it's great to finally have, you know, a, a competent media source. Cause I'll, I'll call you guys competent. Some of the media I have read um, is not, so it's, it's great to have a competent media source who covers the FCS as a whole. You can tell there, there's no real bias in any of the writing. Um, so, yeah, I, I got to say, I really enjoy what you guys are doing, and I hope you guys continue because you're a great asset to the FCS. Yeah, and that's kind of been our goal is to just raise the level of attention uh, to the FCS, get the players and the, and the coaches and the fan base as much attention as possible. And, you know, one of the things we've always tried to do is is just to get you know, people talking. And, and when I say that, I don't mean, you know, doing a bunch of clickbaity controversial articles or anything like that, but we're trying to connect fan bases. So when we do a story about Eastern Washington, 
you know, James Madison fans are reading it and Sam Houston State fans are reading it and South Dakota State fans are reading it. Same with, you know, all around the country. You know, we're, we're trying to get Valley fans to pay attention to the Southland and the CAA to pay attention to the SOCON and the Big Sky and stuff like that. And, you know, hopefully we've done a pretty good job of that. And also, I think a big thing with the FCS uh, is the Facebook page that, that you guys created, the FCS Fans Nation Uh you, I don't know what the numbers are at now, but you have to be closing in on 10,000 uh, members, I would think, somewhere around there. And, you know, just kind of clicking through that. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I, sometimes I have to bite my tongue and not comment on there and, <laughs> and go down, you know, that hole. But it's just great to see so many different fan bases uh, interacting with each other. And, and now you guys, uh, I've seen uh, quite a bit of HBCU fans joining that as well. And you have big sky and HBCU fans interacting with each other. And I think that's just fantastic. Yeah. Like I am, I, I should still probably be a little more professional on that page since I helped, <laughs> you know, run it. Um, but no, I, I I'll see comments in there and I'm like, um, no, that's just a lie. And I'll, I'll dive in and I'll, I'll try and rip people's heads off. But, um, that's yeah, that's it, it, that's my favorite when Kyler sees something and then he slowly takes it apart with statistic after I statistic. No chill. <laughs> I got no chill. But no, it, it is cool that you know we're interacting with HBCU fans, like you said. Um, the Big Sky, we we rarely ever play any HBCU team. It's like the Montana schools will sometimes get a Mississippi Valley State up there to play um, because Mississippi Valley State will pay will play anyone for the right amount of money. But other than that, you know, we're across the other side of the country and we don't really get to experience a lot of those teams in the South. Um, so it's cool to be able to jump online and chat with fans across the nation. And I feel like we're all getting more connected as a whole. It seems like that page is help, helping create more knowledge across the board. And it's not just, you know, localized, which the FCS 10 years ago, I'd even say five years ago was more localized. Um, but the only one we really haven't captured yet, and it's kind of bummed me out, is uh, the Ivy Leagues. They <laughs> seem to just be too good for us. We even have a couple Patriot League fans, not much, but it's like I think we got one one fan from Cornell or something, and that's about it. It's bumming me out. I want some Ivy League fans because I want to trash talk them, but one day they'll join. Yeah, hopefully one day they'll join the playoffs as well, but that's a, <laughs> that's, that's a whole different podcast right there. That, that's a whole different one. We might have to do that on the FCS Fans Nation one, not the Eagles Hour. But, but hey, so Sam, your job, you cover the Big Sky, Missouri Valley. Is there another conference that you cover? Is there, are those kind of the main two? So those are uh, those are basically the, the main two. Uh, how Brian and I do it, we basically split the, the conferences between the two of us. Uh, so I do the Big Sky in the Valley, but I also, you know, pay attention to the Pioneer League, the NEC, the Patriot League uh, as well. And, and you know, if, if a team is having a really good season or a player is having a really good season, you know, I'll do a feature here or there um, on those teams. But basically how Brian and I cover it uh, is, like I said, we, we both have our individual conferences of focus. And when we write stories, you know, they're very conference specific. But at the same time, we're both obviously paying attention to the country as, as a whole. And, and what I pay attention to is, you know, basically any game or any team uh, that looks like they could be in the playoffs. So while the, the big sky in the Valley are my main uh, conferences of focus, I'll watch a ton of CAA games or a ton of Southland games, you know, of teams that are in the top 25. I, I won't write any, you know, CAA specific stories. Brian will do that. Um, but I'm certainly paying attention to, you know, which teams look like they could be in the playoffs. And obviously as the season, the season progresses, that that's less and less teams. And, you know, just the reality of 
trying to cover 126 teams is, you know, if you're, if you're a two and six, you're just not going to get a whole lot of coverage because our focus has shifted to the, to the six and two teams. For sure. So, so since this is an Eastern podcast, I kind of want to focus on the big sky as a whole, since, you know, you're one of the, the reigning experts on the big sky. Um, so what I've seen from the big sky from, you know, I really only followed the big sky since 2007, but all the research I've done past that, it seems like the big sky's always been what I would consider a top three conference, but they've always been that number three slot. So in the nineties, it was really, you know, the CAA, the SOCON, the big sky in the early 2000s, CAA, SOCON, big sky. Then it's been this decade, the, you know, Missouri Valley, CAA, big sky, but big sky has always been that like three mark. Um, the last couple of years I've noticed a, a really improved big sky conference. So like the last two years, I think, you know, the big sky's on a, a good trajectory, but like, what, what do you see from the big sky as a whole from let's say 10 years ago to the last couple of years to potentially in the future? How do you see the big sky? Are they going to continue to improve or is maybe even my thought process of seeing them improve? Is that maybe even a little off? What, what What's kind of your thoughts on the big sky as a whole? No, I, I definitely think uh, you're accurate there. And, you know, I would even say, if we're just basing it off of these last two years and what's to come in 2020, I would say the Big Sky has has probably moved ahead of the CAA uh, as being the yeah. number two conference. And, and even, I mean, it's who really? It, it's so hard to really know. Is the Big Sky from top to bottom is it better than the Valley? Is it not? If someone right. wants to make the argument that the Big Sky has been better than the Valley, like I could easily make that argument too. I could also argue against it. It's, they're both you know very close. And I, I think. The one thing the the big sky, in my opinion, a big reason why it's improving so much is just how it's just the level of coaches it has. I think yeah. there are so many great coaches uh, in the big sky. I mean, I, I think a guy like uh, Jay Hill at Weber State, you know, he took over a program that was just you know struggling Fresh. and not relevant <laughs> at all. Now they're yeah. they're 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 consistently uh, making a deep run uh, in the playoffs. I mean, Bobby Houck at Montana is is turning that thing around pretty quick. Uh, Jeff Choate has done a, a wonderful job uh, at Montana State. You know, Coach Best at Eastern Washington. I mean, it's not like he took over a pretty good program, but in his, what was that, I believe his second year, he, he got over that semifinal hump um, mm-hmm. and, and made the title game. And he's stressed, you know, a, a better running game, better defense, uh, along with a really good passing attack as well. So, uh, I mean, just so many great coaches. <laughs> Dan Hawkins uh, is in the big sky now, obviously, and, they, and the big sky has added a couple other pretty noteworthy coaches uh, throughout these yeah. off seasons. So I think it's just a level of coaching that has really ele- elevated uh, the Big Sky Conference to now being uh, what was already a top three conference, but now you know is routinely seeing teams in the in the quarterfinal, multiple teams in the quarterfinals, uh, and and into the semifinals as well. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the, like the level of coaches in the Big Sky, and I mean this off season it only improved with uh, Bo Baldwin being the newest addition going back to the Big Sky, but going to Cal Poly. I mean, his his track record speaks for itself, and. Ed McCaffrey, which one one of the hosts, not Rusty, on this podcast called it a sexy hire, you know, clickbait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. University of it Northern Colorado. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, I want to talk about that little sexy pick real quick because <laughs> I was going to leave it right there. Northern, yeah, it's Northern Colorado for one. You know, they haven't been great since they moved up, but they were a power in the D two level. They had some really good years and. You know, they just haven't done it with Ernest Collins, but it's a winning program. 
as is in terms of an athletic type of feel like all their basketball team is really good. They they have a good track team. They're good wrestling. They have good hockey overall. It's a good athletic program they have. So they, they're just really missing the step with football. Now, Ed McCaffrey, he's not really proven at the college level. He's done a couple years in high school and did really good, but having a big name like that, you know, Christian McCaffrey's dad, Ed McCaffrey, a, a hall of fame, you know, wide receiver, I believe. Um, yeah, I think it's a sexy pick and it's a clickbaity pick. It might not work, but man, is it getting the attention that, you know, it's bringing Northern Colorado the attention that they possibly want or they possibly deserve. So yeah, I'll, I'll stand by that sexy pick, Rusty. Fair enough. So, so Sam, <laughs> uh, so what are your thoughts on uh, on these two hires uh, with Bo, I mean, obviously with Bo Baldwin and uh, Ed McCaffrey? Yeah, I mean, I think they were both uh, really great hires. I mean, to get Bo Baldwin back into the big sky, uh, get him to Cal Poly, I think uh, was a great hire. It's going to be interesting because uh, Cal Poly has um, a bit of a uh, they have higher academic standards than basically most of basically all the big skies. So he's, he might have to recruit a, a little bit differently to Cal Poly, but I mean, that's a, I, I've never been there, but that's a pretty great town and, and city to recruit to. Um, and so I think he can uh, certainly get some great players there. It, you know, we'll see how quickly <laughs> Cal Poly can go from, you know, basically one end of an offense all the way to the other from the, from the, the triple option all the way to, uh, you know, a pretty yeah. high flying pass and attack. That'll, that'll be interesting. But we saw, you know, Troy Taylor, what, what he did at Sacramento State, basically turn that, turn that around uh, pretty quickly. So uh, there's a lot of coaching power there for the California schools. And then for, I mean, Northern Colorado, I mean, why not make that, that splash hire or, or, or that sexy hire, uh, yeah. as, as we just said, because you can't, really get any worse that, than what it was. Um, and I think with this, you, you just generate some excitement around the program. Uh, McCaffrey is a, is a well-known name around, uh, around the States of Colorado. I obviously, he obviously has a lot of connections at the high school level. Uh, and I think, you know, having those connections and relationships should help in recruiting and, you know, Brian does all of our recruiting stuff. So I can't, you know, speak a lot to it, but I, I do remember Brian saying that he noticed, this last recruiting class that Northern Colorado, the, the, the level of recruits uh, that they brought in was noticeably a lot better than in past years. Now they didn't, you know, splash and splash onto the scene and be a top and have a top 25 recruiting class. But he did say, you know, there are some, some pretty standout players uh, that they got. And I think just, just kind of generating some excitement around that program, I think is really important. And uh, I think this hire, this hire certainly did that. And, you know, we'll see, two, three years down the road, you know, how, how things go for Northern Colorado. Yeah. That to me, that's kind of the, the, the biggest question mark. Cause I'm a firm believer that you really need to, to develop your players, you know, to really have a strong team. Uh, I mean, Bo Baldwin, he's, he's not the strong, I mean, he has a strong coaching staff as well. It's not just him coming in. He's bringing the, the guys around him to make a pretty successful program. He obviously has a track record, but I mean, they're totally switching systems. Uh, so obviously the players that are there now, I mean, they're, they were brought there for that system. So it should be interesting to see how long it really takes them to transition to more so, you know, winning ways. I mean, this last season they went three and eight overall, uh, they did play some competitive games, but I mean, there's no doubt about it that Bo Baldwin is going to bring Cal Poly um, to, you know, win some games. Ed McCaffrey, on the other hand, 
Yeah, I, I think you're you're exactly right. I mean, they Northern Colorado had to make a splash, and I think they did make that splash with Ed McCaffrey. But with just really high school coaching background, it'll be very interesting to see uh, how successful he is at you know a Division One level. I mean, obviously being a former football player, but you know all former football players or NFL players don't necessarily make successful head coaches. So it should be pretty interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I'm excited to watch, you know, both of them. I will root for Bo Baldwin every time until he steps on red turf and then, you know, screw you, Bo Baldwin. I'll hate <laughs> you for that one game. But uh, but I, I love that coach and what he did for Eastern Washington. But so, Sam, because when all of these coaching changes started, you know, happening this year, um, I thought to myself, there's and I, I can't remember. Has there ever been an FCS conference in history with this deep of like coaching name power? I'm not even going to say, you know, the greatest coaches, but like the name power of all of these coaches, most all of them are proven. Um, it's at least FCS right now. I don't think there's another conference that even comes close in terms of name recognition, name power and proven ability with coaches across the board. Yeah. I think right now you can probably give that honor uh, to the big sky just with uh, the, you know, not only some, some newer coaches that are already newer head coaches, I should say that are already making, you know, a splash, uh, but also just some, some names that, that have returned to their schools after stops at the FBS, you know, thinking of Hawkins and Hawk. So I, yeah, I mean, there, what was it like a month ago? There is that photo from the big sky football uh, Twitter account that, you know, I had a, a picture of all the head coaches in the same room together for their, you know, weekly or not weekly, their, their annual conference meeting or, or whatever it was. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of looking through that. I mean, just so many, so many great coaches and so many just, you know, great guys to interview you know frankly from from a media perspective if i you know had to pick one conference out there to say okay you can have sit down interviews with every head coach in any conference it, it would certainly be the big sky just because you have you have some of the funny guys you have some of the genuine guys you have some of the guys that'll just you know tell you how it is and um i went to the to the the big sky media days last summer and got a chance to not, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to every coach every head coach just because there was a, a not a, a whole lot of time to talk to everyone. And there was a lot of media there, but I had an opportunity to talk to a lot of the coaches and, you know, just a, a really fun group, uh, great coaches as well. And like I said earlier in the podcast, I think that's a big reason why uh, the big sky has taken such a big step forward is, is the level of coaching these guys have done. And then obviously uh, when they do have that name recognition, they're able to recruit uh, that kind of that next level athlete to their school. So, sure. I mean, continue on that topic, topping, talking name recognition, the level of coaches in the big sky and kind of put you here on, you know, on the hot seat a little bit, Sam, but uh, where would you put Aaron best in regards to the coaching tiers in the big sky? He's, you know, currently, you know, 22 and 12. He's been there since 2017. So what's your, what's your take on that? Uh, that's tough, um, to kind of, you know, figure out what tier he's in. Um, I mean, obviously a, a fantastic coach, you know, he had a, uh, a bit of a, a down year this year, but I don't, you know, obviously a coach will always kind of take the, the full <laughs> brunt of things. Uh, but I think, you know, not, you can't just point to it as Aaron best fault that, that they had that Eastern Washington had a down year this year. And I think he, he's still ch trying to, get the current players on roster to adjust to the system he likes. But I, I think he's certainly up there, um, you know, right up there at the top. I think, you know, what Jay Hill has done at Weber state has been absolutely fantastic. Um, I think, you know, 
Bobby Houck has a track record. Uh, he already has that track record as well. I think what Jeff Choda has done has been outstanding. Uh, Coach Hawkins at UC Davis had a down year uh, this last year, but the previous year, um, you know, made a run to, I believe it was the quarterfinals. So those are all, you know, really fantastic uh, head coaches. And, and Coach Best is still young in, in his uh, in his head coaching career, but to make the, the national title game as quickly as he did, I think speaks volumes to the, to, to the type of head coach he is. So he, he's right up there uh, with those other guys, I think. So, so who are the next two big sky coaches that are going to get promoted and, you know, go to the FBS? My opinion is Jay Hill, of course. I think he is on a very short list to maybe be a Mountain West Coast or um, a defensive coordinator, maybe in the P5, you know, what he's done at Weber State. It, it's been remarkable. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, after they won their first big sky title, I was kind of joking. Well, I wasn't really joking. I was like, man, they just they, they don't have the, the recruiting base to have another successful year after they lost a lot of their talent. And then they still won the big sky the next year and, you know, made it to the quarterfinals and they've been improving every single year. So my, my opinion is Jay Hills next to get promoted, but I also think Troy Taylor's on a fast track and you've kind of seen that with the last three years of him as a coach, you know, he's been at Eastern, he's been, um, where was it? Utah. And then now he's at, um, Sac state. So I think he's on the fast track. And if he has another successful year, he's going to get a call in up to the FBS. Is that the two you would think, or do you have another couple in mind? No, those are those are the two that immediately came to mind. Uh, it seems like Jay Hill has kind of been mentioned as an FBS candidate, an FBS candidate, uh, for a couple of years now. Uh, just like you mentioned, Troy Taylor has kind of risen the ranks incredibly quick. And if Sacramento State has another good season, which I think they will, because they have a, a ton of starters and experience and production coming back, uh, if they have another good year, I think Troy Taylor's name uh, will be mentioned as a, a possible candidate for some FBS openings. Uh, but after that, you know, it, it's tough to say. Uh, Coach Choate certainly is going to gauge a whole lot of interest. You know, it seems like Coach Hawkins, just from talking to, with him, he's, he's very content being at the FCS level, at the FCS level and at his alma mater. I, frankly, I'd be, I'd be surprised to see uh, Bobby Houck go anywhere anytime soon because I, I feel like he feels like he has unfinished business uh, at Montana. Uh, and then Coach Best, I mean, I know after Eastern made the 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 national title game, probably the worry was, all right, we have a pretty fast riser at head coach here. Um, but he's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he played his college football at Eastern Washington. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep, and, and he has the, the plus years now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, the the EKG, uh, the Eastern kind of guy. So it seems like, you know, Coach Best. You would think he'd be there for a while, but at the same time, you know, I mean, you just never know if a good opportunity comes. Uh, I'm sure he would at least, you know, hear hear an FBS school out. But um, so I, I don't. Yeah, Coach Hill and, and Coach Taylor, I think, are the two that that probably will move up probably the quickest. And there are a few other names that, you know, might pop up here or there, but I don't necessarily see a whole lot of coaching changes going on in, in the big sky as far as, you know, all, all of a sudden one off season, there, there's four head coaches going on to, to different schools. Yeah. I think we can see Aaron best at Eastern for a, you know, a while, of course, you know, if the right opportunity comes up um, for an FBS, I'm never going to say, you know, an FCS coach is secure. Not everyone's going to be like a Williams and Mary type of head coach where he stays for mm -hmm. 80 years or whatever. But I think <laughs> Bobby Houck's going to be there for a while. I think Aaron Best is going to be there for a while. And Dan Hawkins, you know, he's back at his his school. I think he's going to be there for a while. So at least for a while, you have some big names who have proven themselves 
um, you know, Dan Hawkins at Boise State, Bobby Houck at Montana, Aaron Bess already at Eastern. But that's exciting. So I know you said Troy Taylor and Sac State. You think Sac State is going to be pretty good next year because they did not lose a lot of key players. They return a lot. What are some of the schools who lost like the most key players? Um, and do you think they'll possibly suffer or are they able to replace them and reload like we've seen Eastern Washington at times, like we've seen Weber State at times? They've been able to just reload instead of replay or reload instead of, you know, maybe take a down year. Yeah, I think for the most part, as far as looking at the Big Sky teams, uh, you know, a, a lot of the top teams in the Big Sky return a whole lot of production. I mean, you look at Weber State returns a ton of production. Sacramento State returns a ton of production. Same thing with Montana and Montana State. So, you know, for the most part, when you're looking at the top teams in the Big Sky, you, you know, would imagine that all these teams would at least get a little bit better. Now, each for the most part, you know, most of these teams, you know, have that one big question mark, uh, really for Weber state, Montana state and Montana, it's who's going to be the number one starting quarterback, uh, the number one quarterback on the depth chart. So I think that's, you know, I kind of, kind of going off topic a, a little bit, but, but, you know, one thing I was on Bison 1660 talking about, uh, is there's, a lot of really good looking rosters, you know, out there, but they all seem like they're a quarterback away. And, you know, the big sky that kind of comes to mind where, you know, yeah, Sacramento state has Kevin Thompson coming back. He'll be one of the top quarterbacks and they have a lot of production coming back. So that's why I'm pretty high on Sacramento state, but you look at Weber state, Montana and Montana state, they have a lot of dudes coming back, but they have question marks at the quarterback position. But then you look at a team like Eastern Washington, Obviously not a, a question mark at quarterback at all with, with Eric Berrier coming back. Uh, he's also one of the top quarterbacks in the FCS, but there are you know some question marks elsewhere you know on their roster. So I think yeah. something something that uh, is is meant to be you know watching as far as the FCS goes in 2020 is there are some rosters out there that maybe aren't ready to compete for a national championship, but they do have an elite quarterback. Versus there are some elite. Uh, rosters out there that are maybe one quarterback away from really challenging uh, NDSU. So, uh, you know, if some of these teams that I mentioned, Weber State, Montana, Montana State, if they can find that number one quarterback, um, you know, I think they could really make some serious noise. Oh, for sure. And I think you're dead on. And so it's kind of weird, like um, the last, I don't know, it seems like, you know, for a while, the big sky has been, you know, the quarterback conference. Uh, we've had big names, big quarterbacks that have come through um, last year. I mean, you, you saw it with Sneed, Barrier, um, Thompson, Case Cookus, you know, Jake Mayer. There is it's just tons of good quarterbacks that are coming through the big sky. And last year, they were all secure. They were all, you know, older. And this year, like you just said, it's it's a lot of the teams, they have question marks at quarterbacks, and only a few of the top-tier quarterbacks are returning. Does that change maybe the the offensive schemes for the big sky, or do you still think we're going to be – you know, one of the most explosive conferences in terms of offense um, over defense or, or what's the shift? Maybe are we leaning more towards, you know, next year we'll see a, a lot more rushing and defense in the big sky, or do you even have any clue yet? It's hard to say. I, I think, you know, one thing with the big sky, you know, going back to, you know, what what's made this, this conference continue to improve. I think there has been more emphasis on the defensive side of the football uh, compared to what it was in you know 2013 and 2014 when when all the teams were winning games 59 to 46 and you know if you play that style of football that just doesn't you know work out when you're when you're playing football late in the playoffs in December so I think you'll continue to see more balance 
uh, for Big Sky teams. But I do think, you, you know, you might see a little bit more rushing than usual. Uh, the Big Sky still has tremendous, you know, really good wide receivers. But with the quarterback, with the question mark at quarterback, you might see a little bit more run. Uh, you know, I know Montana was, for the most part, pretty ha- uh, pass heavy. Uh, but we all know that Coach Houck likes to have that physical offense and run the ball. So you might see a team like Montana uh, run the ball a little bit more than they did last year. Uh, I mean, Montana State, they'll probably st- – we'll see about them. Montana State will probably still throw the ball only seven times a game or, or whatever they do. Weber State has kind of always been a little bit run heavy. But it'll be interesting to see what teams like – UC Davis does without Jake Mayer. You know, I mean, Case Cookus was a stud for Northern Arizona. What does their offense look like uh, without him? So I think you might see a little bit more of some team balance offensively and defensively uh, from the big side this year. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you're you're probably right. It's I will say I, I did love some of those, you know, 56 to 47 games. Uh, they're <laughs> really fun yeah. to watch and but, but yeah, really this last decade, besides the last couple, you know, maybe last year in general, but those are even weren't offensive teams, but only Eastern Washington was really able to succeed in the, you know, deep in the playoffs with that type of an offensive scheme. All the other ones, like you said, you know, if you didn't have defense, if you didn't have a running game, you were pretty much out in the first, second round, but Eastern Washington was able to handle that. And I think it was just due to more of the talent that best was able to, um, or not best, but Baldwin was able to recruit, you know, like. Cooper Cup, Kendrick Bourne, um, Vernon Adams, Gage. We we had tons of talent, so it was it was more of a hey, we 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 believe we can score more than any team in the nation, so we're just gonna we're just gonna go for it. Um, but they were successful. But yeah, the rest of the teams, it was you know if you just had a high flying offense without a little balance, you were pretty much out in the first round, second round, which was kind of a bummer, and it made the Big Sky overall look not the best this last decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think. Yeah, the improvements on defense have been big uh, for the for the Big Sky, uh, and I think you know teams started to to recognize that uh, you know as far as you know putting a little bit more emphasis on the defensive side of the football, you know instead of putting all of your high end athletes and your and your high end recruits on the offensive side of the football, you know maybe maybe put one of your one of your guys at cornerback or, or linebacker instead of wide receiver or running back or something like that. So yeah, for sure. So. Uh, what I mean, going into next season or at the end of this season, what team lost the most going into 2020? Uh, boy, you know, let's see. I did, I did take a look at uh, right after the season. I kind of went through some uh, some numbers as far as you know who loses a lot of production, who returns uh, a, a lot of production as far as rushing production, receiving production. You know, the number of points coming back. Uh, defensive production uh, coming back as well. And and like I said, for the most part, you know, a lot of the big sky teams have a lot of their production coming back. I mean, you you just look at Weber state, for example, they have 60, 67% of their rushing yards coming back, 97% of the receiving yards coming back, 94% of their points scored coming back. And then 78, 78%, uh, of their defense, defensive production coming back. So, so those, so Weber state is looking pretty good. Uh, as far as some returning production, you know, I, I kind of look at a, a team like Montana State, who actually, now that I look at it a little closer, they, they lose quite a bit of production. Uh, I mean, I don't, I know they don't pass a lot, but you know, Kevin Cassis was a big receiver for them, and he's gone. So Montana State 
only has 37.3% of their receiving yards coming back, only 44.5% of their points coming back, and then only 49% of their defensive production coming back. So Montana State has a little bit uh, more to replace than uh, than I thought you know, at the time. And uh, Sac State has a bunch of production coming back uh, on offense, has about half of their production coming back on defense. But, you know, you, you just kind of go around the country uh, as well. I mean, James Madison is obviously a team a lot of people are paying attention to. They have a ton of rushing production coming back, but not a lot of receiving production uh, returning. And then defensively, they only return 48%. Uh, of their tackling production. So they have a lot of, a lot to replace uh, on that side of the ball. And then, I mean, obviously a lot of people are paying attention to what NDSU has coming back. And there's a whole lot of production from North Everyone. Dakota state coming back uh, <laughs> 71% of the rushing yards coming back, 71% of receiving yards coming back, 79% of their points coming back and then 78.5 of their tackles uh, coming back. And that's taking out Jabril Cox's, uh, tackles there as well right. if he decides to come back to NDSU that number would obviously go up quite a bit so those are just some teams that have a lot coming back and then uh, some other ones that uh, don't have a lot coming back either well two teams that you mentioned uh, Weber State and Montana State with Weber State obviously with uh, Jake Constantine transferring which I thought was pretty interesting as well I'm curious to hear your thoughts and also a second part question uh, going to Montana State Obviously, to me, like uh, what Montana State is, you know, is missing is their quarterback play. If they get the right guy in there, uh, I think they're going to be a very dangerous team uh, in the playoffs. And I was pretty interested in the transfer from uh, North Con- NC State, Matt McKay. I don't know if you saw much on him, but uh, it, to me, those are the two with Jake Constantine transferring. I thought that was pretty interesting. And then Matt McKay, I think that's a pretty inter- interesting transfer to Montana State. Yeah, the, the, the Jake Constantine deal uh, kind of took me by surprise uh, a little bit. I, I didn't see it coming, and I don't, I don't necessarily know if he's looking to transfer uh, up to an FBS school or just you know go somewhere else where he feels uh, you know maybe he's getting utilized a, a little bit better. I, I'm not exactly sure um, of the reasoning. I, I did have someone DM me and tell me the reasoning, but I, I don't know how much, you know, stock I, I want to put on it. I want to put, you know, into that from just, you know, a random, a random DM. And so I won't, you know, say exactly what they said. Uh, but as far as Montana state, I do know they are very high on uh, the McKay guy. Um, they were really high on him. Um, and I know Choate, uh, you know, he feels he is one quarterback away from, you know, truly, truly making noise and for them to make the semifinals, you know, kind of with the one arm tied behind their back because their, their passing attack wasn't terrible. It just wasn't explosive. It just wasn't uh, efficient enough. Um, but it was, you know, good enough, I guess, along with a strong rushing attack and a strong defense to get them, to get them to the semifinals. But if they can just get a guy, you know, that can be a playmaker with his arm, you know, maybe make some plays with his legs, uh, as well. I think that could be a big difference maker for Montana state. And, you know, when I was out, uh, I went to the, the brawl, the wild game this last year when Montana went to Montana state and just talking to some media members there, they were telling me about, uh, when McKay was on his recruiting visit. And after one of the, after one of the home games at Montana state, all the media were up in the press box, uh, working on their stories, working on deadline and all that. And all of a sudden they, they, see uh i mean the field was completely empty obviously this is probably an hour to an hour and a half after the game ended and all of a sudden they see a a golf cart with two people on it kind of ride out to the middle of the field and they're kind of going all right you know you know what's going on here 
And then all of a sudden a video, kind of a hype video starts getting played on the, on the jumbotron. And it was kind of just a, a hype video of, of Montana state uh, highlights. And then it said, you know, Matt McKay, you could be next or, you know, something like that. So and they, they later found out that that was one of the guys down the field was Matt McKay uh, on his recruiting visit. And so they kind of, uh, you know, rolled out the red carpet for him and, you know, put a big video on the video board to show him, you know, again, this was a couple hours after the game. So uh, I, I, you know, just based off of that story, you can kind of tell that Montana state is, is very high on him. The thing is, you know, with no spring football, uh, Montana state has a new offensive coordinator as well. You just kind of have to wonder, true, true. will he be comfortable in game one, game two, or, or, or will they go with a guy that, you know, knows a system a little bit more, um, so that's just kind of a an, an interesting uh, dilemma that a lot of FCS schools are are facing. As I you know I talked about a lot of a lot of these teams have a quarterback competition going on. Well, you know coaches always say what's the best way to get someone comfortable? It's repetition, repetition, repetition. And unfortunately, with spring ball uh, getting called off, and it looks like I don't I don't know if the spring ball will be will be made up or not. Uh, that we'll we'll see what kind of effect that has on some of these new quarterbacks in the opening weeks. Yeah, I didn't even think yeah, of that. Totally. Um, new quarterback, new system. That's going to be tough to learn without spring ball. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, we'll see. There's still quite a bit of time, so hopefully everything you know gets back to normal in in the next couple months, and mm-hmm. you know these these guys can work on their skill. But I have a question for you, Sam. Who would you say are? And I'm going to say pick like three of each. Who are the three best offensive players in the Big Sky and the three best defensive players? Um, and who do they play for or who should we at least be watching out for? Oh boy. So offensive yeah, players. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is always tough. Cause I'll, you know, I'll come back and listen to this and say, Oh, I, I should have said this guy, or I, I should have said, <laughs> you know, that guy, uh, offensive players. I mean, you, you, I think you have to go with one being, and this is no order. This is just kind of off the top of my head. You have to go with Kevin Thompson, uh, Sacramento State quarterback who finished, I believe he was runner up for the Walter Payton Award. Uh, you have to go with Eric Berrier as well uh, as a second guy. And then third offensively, um, boy, I'm trying to think of a receiver or a, a, a running back out there. Probably the uh, the Montana receiver, uh, Toure. Tour? Yeah, Samuel Torrey. Yeah, yeah, him. Um, he he put up monster numbers. Uh, so I mean that that's the third guy I can think of. But um, you know, I again, I I might, I might be missing someone that, that I would rather say. But uh, defensively, yeah, I you were say Davis out of Weaver. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is a good one, Josh Davis. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's certainly up there uh, as well. He he's really fun to watch just because he doesn't. Uh, I mean, he doesn't necessarily look the part of a division one running back but he i mean he runs tough as hell and, and he's really fun to watch uh, as well um defensively um you know trying to think off the top of my head uh pro- i mean i think you have to put uh troy anderson uh up there yeah. um if he's healthy you know obviously um trying to think who else you know one guy uh that i really like that I can't remember how many games he played this last year for Eastern, but, but Chris Ojo, um, yeah. to me, I thought he was two years ago, thinking back to the national title game. Um, I thought he was one of the best defensive players in that game. And, you know, he was, he was beat up this last year. 
Uh, so I think he's in store for a, a pretty good season. And, you know, after that, um, I think a guy that's going to have a huge year is another Montana guy, uh, Jace Lewis. Uh, he's the other middle linebacker along with Dante Olson. And I think with Olson moving on now, I think Jace Lewis is probably going to have one of those years where he just puts up like 150, 160 tackles. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, Jace Lewis is going to have an All-American type season for Montana. Well, you passed, Sam. You, you mentioned two Eastern players, one on each side. So <laughs> we don't have to end this podcast today. Uh, <laughs> you passed. So, no, I think they're all really solid picks. Um, and I was just kind of curious, um, you know, who we should watch out for on both sides of the ball. And, you know, I can't say you picked anyone wrong. Um, Tory is a beast to watch for Montana. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who's the new quarterback. Is it Cam Humphreys? Is he going to be able to get the ball to him as, as you know, much as, Dalton Sneed is, but um, Tory was a complete athlete. So, yeah, I mean, all of those players are good to watch. There's quite a bit of um, really exciting players in the big sky. So I, I can't can't wait for football, man. I, I really can't. Um, I, I do have a quick question for you, though, because you mentioned Brawl of the Wild. Um, you went there last year. Is there any other big sky games you have gone to or like any venues or have you been to an Eastern Washington game and what's it going to take to get you out there? I know Hero Sports is in Seattle. It's a Seattle-based company, right? Yes, it is. I, I know uh, a couple of our uh, two years ago when UC Davis played at Eastern Washington in the quarterfinals, I believe it was, we had two uh, guys at HQ, one of our editors and one of our social media guys went to that game and, and took some photos and, and did some tweets there. Uh, I, I believe the only venues in the big sky I've been to is uh, Bobcat Stadium at Montana State. Uh, I've been to the Alaris Center, uh, which is UND, who's now you know obviously out of the big sky and in the valley now. But I think those are the only two big sky venues I've been to. I, I've been to uh, the other FCS stadiums I've been to have been uh, the Fargo Dome. I've been to South Dakota State Stadium. South Dakota stadium and also Northern Iowa stadium as well. Okay. So, you know, we, we love the fact that we are able to travel uh, to some games. Uh, we don't do it a whole lot just because, I mean, obviously, you know, to be frank, you know, just to, to spend a thousand dollars, you know, on a plane ticket and hotel and food and all that to cover one game and get two articles out of it, you know, really isn't worth the money, especially when we're trying to pay attention on Saturdays to what's going around, all, all, all around or what's going on all around the FCS. And, you know, when we're sitting in a press box somewhere, we can't really watch, you know, multiple games uh, at once. So we, we, we travel every year to Frisco. Uh, I know Brian uh, this last year, he went to a James Madison game the year before that he went to the FCS kickoff classic, which was uh, who was it? North Carolina A&T and someone else that I, I, I can't I remember. Thought it was, was it Stanford and YSU or uh, that, that was this last year, the year before that. Oh, okay, was, the year before. Uh, oh, it was North Carolina A&T and Jacksonville State. I believe, yeah. That, yeah. That was uh, so he went to that one. Um, obviously, with me living in Minneapolis, uh, I make it to a, a couple of games uh, in Fargo every year. Usually I go to the semifinal game. And then this last year I went to the UC Davis game because at that time I believe UC Davis was ranked uh, number four and, and Fargo is just three hours away from me. So I, I, I am able to drive to – um, a few games, uh, but usually we only limit flights, you know, maybe once or twice a year, just because we're, we're trying to, trying to pay attention to what's going on, what's going on, uh, all around the country. But I will say, you know, there are some bucket list items, 
uh, as far as games to cover. And I crossed that off with the Brawl the Wild and two stadiums that I really want to see is, is Eastern Washington's and also James Madison's. I'd, I'd love at, at some point to get out to a home game for both of those two, even, even though they're on completely opposite sides of the country. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit of, um, for the big sky, you know, you already saw Montana state. So that's awesome. I would say, you know, check out Washington Grizzly. If you oh, have yeah, a chance yeah. and spit on their field for me, but then <laughs> Eastern Washington, um, you know, it's not the most impressive stadium, but in terms of home atmosphere for size, it's pretty good up there. Other than that, for the big sky, you know, maybe Weber state, um, they have mm-hmm. a pretty good fan base and in the mountains, they're beautiful. But other than that, I, I don't think you're missing much. Never go to Portland. Um, gosh, <laughs> Hillsboro high is awful. Um, I've been to quite a bit of stadiums and it uses actually, it, it's kind of cool. They have people, you know, chopping wood every time they score. So you get the loud, um, loud chainsaws rolling, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's, it's a weird little dome because how they built it was if you are next to the press box, um, they, they built seats that go way up behind the press box. So like you can only see half the field if you're there, that's mm-hmm. where our tickets were. And we didn't know it. So we, um, eventually moved down and kicked other people out of their seats because, you know, the stadium wasn't that sold out. So, uh, that was a good thing. But other than that, you know, Idaho fans will brag about their Kibbe dome, but, um, the lack of, um, enthusiasm at that stadium makes it <laughs> pretty sad. <laughs> so th- those are just the three to go to or four. Cause I'll, I will include Weber state in there. Um, but, Hey, we only got, you know, maybe 10 minutes or so left on this. So mm-hmm. I know it's getting late in Minneapolis, but what are your way too early predictions for the big sky? Like maybe name the top six teams. I know it's not even, you know, practice yet, but what are the way too early um, top six big sky teams and how many playoff spots do they get? Yeah. Uh, so it's it's hard to to really you know kind of because anytime you go back to you know what I was saying last preseason I mean some of them I was dead on some of them I was you know way off I mean I I had UC Davis as like a top three national title contender last year at this time same thing with Eastern Washington I actually think I had I think I had my preseason top four last year at this time was James Madison NDSU I think I had UC Davis number three in Eastern Washington, number four on my preseason top 25 ballot that I, that I submitted to Craig Haley. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you just never really know. Uh, You know, I, I know there's a big quarterback question mark at Montana, but I feel like if they can figure that out, I feel like this last year, they were a year ahead of schedule and already were, were really close to making it to the semifinals. So I I really like Montana uh, potentially as being that top team. Uh, I haven't, I, I guess the one thing I should mention too, I haven't really dived into schedules because we know with the big sky and the unbalanced scheduling, that kind of plays a, a, a yes. big part in, in how schedules the, the standings are go. Yeah. Uh, so I like Montana. I think Weber state is going to be uh, really good again. I think Montana state is another team uh, that I like as well. Uh, Sacramento state probably to round out that, that top four, um, and then after that, I think, I mean, Eastern Washington always seems like, you know, it seems like in the 2010s, they have that, maybe that one down year uh, where they missed the playoffs, but the following year, they, they make a run all the way to the semifinals. So I, I think you shouldn't count Eastern Washington out as far as being a team that not only can make the playoffs, but make some noise. And then after that, um, I mean, that's, that's five right there, I believe, uh, you know, Weber state, Sacramento state, Montana, Montana state, Eastern Washington, uh, in really no order. But after that, to find that sixth team, 
you know, I, I don't really know. I, I still think UC Davis has done a really good job of recruiting uh, under Dan Hawkins, so I think they can potentially have a rebound year. Uh, but after that, I don't think Cal Poly is going to make that much noise this early. Uh, Idaho is getting a little better, but and, and they've recruited really well as well, but there's, I, I'm just not seeing Idaho making a whole lot of noise. So I guess to, fill, to, to round out the top six spot, I would, I would probably put UC Davis in there. Okay. Yeah. I think everyone has kind of the same top five and maybe different orders. So I, I was curious on that sixth spot. Uh, Rusty, who, who's going to be your top six, you know, let's all get these way too early pre predictions out here before, um, we end the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's pretty similar to Sam's. I mean, I, I have looked at Montana, Montana state schedule. They have a pretty favorable schedule with Montana, uh, losing Sneed, but I, I don't think it'll affect them too much. Like Sam said, uh, they were a, a year early, but looking at their schedules, they have pretty favorable schedules. So, uh, I have them up there. I have Weber state as well. I mean, they're just a pretty solid overall team sacramento state and i think the th- interesting thing about eastern looking at last season uh with everybody ranking them so high and looking at their schedule the big point on them was they had a pretty easy schedule but it obviously didn't work out that way they went seven and five but uh they have a pretty interesting schedule coming up i think we're going to be able to put the the pieces together i think aaron best is going to be able to work with uh uh, you know, put everything together and have a pretty productive year. So I think Easter is going to have a pretty good year next year. And I think Idaho, depending on the quarterback situation, if Caleb Jordan is healthy enough, and this is just how much I believe, I know he's a, he's a freshman, but how athletic and how solid of an athlete he is, is just uh, pretty incredible to watch just watching tape on him. And that's who I kind of have closing out the sixth spot. So I have Weber state, Sacramento state, Montana, Montana state, Eastern Washington and Idaho and no, uh, you know, specific order by any means. Yeah. I I think I'm going to, um, actually lean towards your, um, your top six as well, Rusty. I, I do think Idaho makes a stride, so maybe jump in that top six. I do like Easter's chances this year a little more, just just due to, you know, really their home schedule. Eastern Washington hasn't really lost a lot of games all decade on at home, you know, and they're undefeated the last two seasons. And all of our tough games, besides when we go and play Florida, which that that's not a winnable game. <laughs> Sorry, Eastern fans. We are going to get the shit rocked out of us. But um other than that game, you know, all of our tough games, Montana, Weber, Montana State, um, Idaho, they're all at home. The only, you know, possibly tough one I think that's on the road is at UC Davis, and I don't know who their quarterback is, so I don't really know who's going to make that splash. So um, I think Eastern Washington does pretty well due to the home, the home, um, the home playoff or the home schedule. But, hey, man, yeah, I, I, I think that's a solid top six. So Sam, I appreciate you coming on here for one. Um, tell all of our listeners where they can find you, how they can harass you on social media when you post something bad about Eastern Washington. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just remember that if if I ever say anything that fans don't like, j- just know that the reason I said it is because I hate your team. You know, whatever whatever team is out there, uh, just just know that I hate them. Uh, we know, usually, but we know. but in, in all sincerity, like I, I really do enjoy the the interaction with FCS fans. Uh, obviously, 
you know, everyone is passionate, but for the most part, it, it never really gets ugly. Um, I think, I think most FCS fans just like the fact that their team is, is getting talked about, even if maybe they, you know, disagree with, with the take They're They're just happy that, you know, there are people, there are other people out there outside their fan base talking about their team. So uh, yeah, my, my Twitter handle is Sam Herter FCS. Uh, certainly feel free to give me a follow and, and interact with me on there. And then also our, uh, our website is here, uh, uh, sports.com. Uh, we're doing a lot of NFL draft stuff and a lot of I'm doing some historical FCS versus FBS stuff as well. And you can you can find all that on HeroSports.com. And, and where can they find your podcast? What's your podcast? Because I think you guys have one of the best FCS podcasts in general. So if people are not, you know, just listening to Eastern Washington, and they want to know what's going around. I, I love your guys's podcast. So give that a quick shout out too. Yeah, so our podcast is called uh, B Mac and Herds FCS Podcast. Uh, if you just type in FCS Podcast onto you know Apple iTunes or whatever, it, it should uh, pop up there. Uh, but the full name is B Mac and Herds FCS Podcast. Uh, we'll we'll start up our podcast again. We took a few week uh, break here during the off season, but we'll have a podcast out next week. And uh, we basically do a weekly podcast all the way throughout the off season and the season as well. And during the season, we do two two episodes a week during the season, kind of giving everyone a national flavor of the FCS. Awesome. Yeah. Rusty, how about you do a quick sign off, tell everyone where they can follow you and um, give some of those closing remarks for us. Yeah. Uh, Sam, thanks for coming on again. Hey, if, if you guys want to get more educated or just know what's going on with FCS, check out here sports. They are putting out, awesome content they're putting in the hours without a doubt i know b mac just puts up ridiculous hours as well uh you could find me on twitter at mid fourth for th rounder uh hit me up give me a follow or just interact i i, I love talking with uh, listeners or even with people that disagree with me and i will definitely stand my ground <laughs> you could find us on apple uh podcasts make sure you subscribe rate us and uh go ahead and leave any remarks uh and also hey make sure you guys are supporting your local businesses right now uh times are tough but we could uh come together and uh, make it past this kyler go and take us home I'll take you home, but first I just got to say I Googled FCS podcast to see if you were lying. You are not lying. You are number one, Sam. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so just Google FCS podcast and you guys are number one, but guess who's number two? FCS Fans Nation. Not Eagles Power Hour yet. We're getting there, but my other <laughs> podcast is number two. <laughs> uh, but hey, yeah, you guys can follow me, uh, Neil underscore 88. Um, it's been a pleasure. Please rate us, subscribe. Um, yeah, go to Iron Goat, go to some of those local shops in Cheney. Uh, we appreciate the listeners, and boom, we're signing off.